Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapters 7 and 8 on the painfulness of patience and waiting and the importance of staying and enduring through our pain so that we can progress forward for God later. Now, don't forget that this message is always available for free listening and free download at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Go to our main website and download it for free, or you can also go to iTunes.com and search for the Friendship with God podcast. Now, as we're in the month of March, Passover will soon be here. And Tom Cantor, our Jewish born-again believer and teacher here on the Friendship with God radio program, has an incredible teaching on the Passover. It's called the personal relevance of the Passover. This insightful teaching on the Passover is like you've never heard it before. Now, this Passover teaching from Exodus 12 and Isaiah 53 from Tom Cantor brings to life the process and the passion of the Passover lamb for the Jewish people and the personal relevance of the Passover lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, for us today and our lives. Now, it's a great gift to give any Christian or unbeliever at Easter and Passover time, and it's a great gift especially to give to any Jewish person that you know who may be searching for the truth and evidence of the Scriptures and who the Messiah really is at Passover time by asking the question, Where is your Lamb? Now, to get this teaching on the Passover from Tom Cantor, please call us today with a donation of $20 or more, and we'll send it to you for Passover and Easter time. Our number is 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Again, it's 800-247-3051. Or you can also order this product online by going to our website at friendshipwithgod.org and clicking on our resources. Now, here's Tom Cantor with today's teaching. In uh, Hebrews 10, is the, the end of Hebrews 10 goes through Hebrews 12, uh, 11 and 12. End of Hebrews 10 and verses 34 to 36, it says, For you had compassion on me in my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing, that's faith, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and enduring substance. Then it goes on in verse 35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, that's faith, confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. He says, cast not away. Don't throw that overboard. Verse 35 is telling us, don't cast not. Do you remember the Swiss family Robinson story? You remember that? Yet, Walt Disney gave us. Anyway, but they had a ship, you know, and the ship went onto the reef, and the ship was sinking. It's very interesting. And the most they could take with them in their raft was 300 pounds. So if I was there, that would have been it. <laughs> but anyway, the most they could take was 300 pounds. And there's this part in there where they have to make decisions on what they're going to keep and, or what they cast overboard. And the ship. So they go through, the family does, and they look and they talk and they consider each item and make their decision. And it is all based on, are we going to need this later? Should we keep this or just cast it away? Well, here's this verse for us, and it says here, when you come on the list of things to your confidence in God's word, this verse says, cast not away, therefore your confidence which have great recompense of reward. That means you're going to need it later. So don't throw it overboard. 
And then Hebrews 11 goes through, and it's a chapter that's dedicated to not only explaining what faith is, but demonstrating to us what faith is in the lives of others with this beginning title to these people's lives where it says, by faith, by faith. They did this, she did that, he did that, by faith, by faith. And finally, we come in the end of the application to it, which is Hebrews 12.1, where we get to the let us. In other words, what does it mean for us? And it says, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So this whole time on the ark was for Noah a time of a massive run with patience. Run with patience. Now, in our lives as believers, there's one activity that we do And that activity is so important that it defines us as individuals. It defines us as believers. And that activity is our lifeline. If we neglect it, we sink. And that activity is not coming to church. It's more important than coming to church. And that activity is seen in the life of the Lord Jesus in Mark 135, for example, where it says, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. So that activity is referred to as a going out and departing to a solitary place and praying. In John 6.15, it speaks of that, when it says, When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. It's going, that activity is departing to a place himself alone. King David spoke of this personal experience of this activity in Psalm 5, verse 3, when he says, My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning shall I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. So that activity is called in the morning directing prayer to God and looking up. Now, we call it our personal morning quiet time with God. And it's absolutely vital for the believer because what the morning quiet time is for the believer is what an oxygen tube is for a deep sea diver. And so when we skip, which is very easy to do, skip our quiet time with God, it's like being a deep sea diver and allowing someone to step on our oxygen line. And there's some verses here in Genesis 8 which create for us an encouragement for quiet times. For example, verse 1 reads, And God remembered Noah. That's a great way to look at the quiet time. A great way is to look at a time when God remembers me, or God remembers us, and we remember God. That's a quiet time. During the day, when we're just immersed with the screaming list of we have to do's, we don't call it we can't to do's, we call it we have to do's. We have to do's, all the responsibility. What is all that? It makes us forget God. It takes us away from God. So, in the morning time, the purpose is to remember God, to bring him back. And then in verse 10, it says, and he stayed yet. That's a great encouragement. Wonderful teaching, and we'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God in just a moment. I want to encourage you to go to our website and get some of Tom Cantor's materials for free at our bookstore. Free viewing, free downloading, and free reading of all of Tom Cantor's materials, many of them online. But there are many for purchase as well through our bookstore, which is also available at friendshipwithgod.com. 
friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also download this message for free, and you can also support this Bible teaching radio program at friendshipwithgod.org, donate online, or you can call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Continue this Bible teaching radio program going on your station in your city with your support of Friendship with God. Again, our number is 800-247-3051. Now here's Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher here on Friendship with God. So, for those times in the ark, when Noah and his family were wondering, are we really going to be saved from this flood? What did they have to rely on? What kept them? What was their stay? What sustained them? What was their assurance? They had, first of all, a command from God. How was Noah... I mean, you would have thought that in the midst of this, not an enjoyable experience to be on the ark, that God would be speaking, and the Lord said, don't worry, keep going. We don't have any record of that. So how was Noah able to sustain himself during this time? Noah sustained himself by holding on to and remembering the command of God and the promise of God that he had received. You know, let's be honest. We come to our quiet times, our devotions, We read the Bible, we want to cling to it. We want a fresh word from God. We want something to encourage our hearts. And it just seems like we're in the clouds. There's no breaking through. We can't, we're harassed by distractions. Everything else seems to be getting our attention except for God. And we come to our quiet time and we don't feel like we're really succeeding. We don't even feel like seeking God. Distractions are so strong that it's almost painful to go on. And it would be much easier to just speed read through the Bible or let our minds just think of something else and go through the motions. And so we come to this very descriptive words here which describe not only what Noah did on the ark, but what we need to do also in that word in verse 10, and he stayed yet. Now, let me tell you, as you've seen, that this phrase, and he stayed yet, or maybe it says, and he waited, occurs twice in verse 10 and verse 12, and I checked a lot of translations for the verses in 10 and 12, and I couldn't find one that did not use the same words for verse 10 and verse 12, where, for example, here it says, and he stayed yet, or he waited another seven days. They all use the same words for verses 10 and 12, and it sort of makes it sound like, you know, well, he just had to wait, and he waited, but, you know, but first of all, it's not the same word that's used in verses 10 and 12. And second of all, it's not exactly just kind of waiting. So in verse 10, the Hebrew word for state is the word chul. Chul, okay? You can all say that? It's like the hula hoop, right? <laughs> it's like, that reminds me. This fellow is asking what time. He says, is it, is, what's the right way to say this? Is it Westphalia or Vestphalia? And he says, well, that's easy. It's Vestphalia. He says, thank you. He says, you're welcome. <laughs> anyway... Uh, All right, so this is the word chul. Now, verse 10. He stayed yet, and this word stayed yet is the word chul. Now, let's see where it's used in order to get an idea of what it means. That's the way you find out what words mean in the Bible, when you see where it's used. Oh, it's used, this word chul is used in Isaiah 66, 7, and it says, before she travailed, she brought forth, before her pain came. Before she travailed, before she chul, 
she brought forth before her pain came. And so, in uh, Job 15.20, the word is used, The wicked man travaileth with pain all his days. That's the word hul. Again, the wicked man travaileth hul with pain all his days. And then in Jeremiah 51.29, it says, And the land shall tremble and sorrow. That's the word hul, tremble and sorrow. Okay, so now... What does the word hul, which is state yet, translated state yet here, mean? It means something that's downright painful. It causes sorrow. It's not an easy wait. It's about as easy as waiting when you're writhing in pain trying to give birth. The idea here is really endure, endure through this very painful experience. That's what it means, arriving in pain. Now, sometimes to not give up in our quiet times, it's just like that. By pressing forward to really say, I'm going to hear, it becomes almost painful, like an endurance that we have to keep on pressing forward. And what do we do when we can't break through in our quiet time and it's hard? Like Noah in verse 10, he stayed yet, the hul, even though through the pain of it all, he endured it, the hul. That's the word for stayed in verse 10, which gives us an insight also into how hard this was for Noah. This, was, this wasn't enjoyable. And after we've done that, after the hool of a painful waiting, and we still can't seem to pierce through these clouds of the mundane and the thoughts and all the cares and everything seems to illuminate in front of us. Now the question is, do we just give up? Do we just scurry off and, and go do those things that seem to be crying out to us? What do we do? We just do that. Now we come to verse 12. And verse 12, again, it says, stayed yet, but it's a completely different word than hul, verse 10. It's the word yachal. And again now, I want to find out what does this word yachal mean and how can we understand its difference from the word hul. So we look at the places where it's used. And in Psalm 31, 24, it's used. And it says a verse that you're familiar with. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart all ye that hope, and that's our word, all ye that hope in the Lord, all ye that yachal in the Lord. So we stop and we say to ourselves, okay, we understand that this word means hope. Then we come to another usage of it in Micah 7, 7, where Micah says, therefore, I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for God. That's our word, yachal. I will wait for God, for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. So you see, when you think about how this is used, he says, the first case, it's be of good courage. He'll strengthen your heart. All you that hope in God, and you get this feeling of hope, and hope always has a vision associated with it. We hope for the thing that's not seen. And then in Micah 7, 7, therefore I will look unto the Lord. I will wait I will wait, I will hope, I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. So in other words, it's when he's speaking about my God will hear me, it means that he is praying. And when he says, I will wait for the God of my salvation, it means that he has the patience to wait for God's answer. So this is, this is now we're starting to get a three-dimensional picture here of the meaning of this word yachal. So, so far, we've seen that Yachal has this idea of waiting in hope 
or waiting with an expectation. But Yahal is also used in Jeremiah 4.19 when Jeremiah is um, bemoaning and crying out. That's what he was very good at. And he says, my bowels, my bowels, I am pained at my very heart. My heart maketh a noise in me. I cannot hold my peace because thou hast heard, O my soul, the sound of the trumpet and the sound of war. So here we see, it's the word pained. My bowels, my bowels, I am pained, yachal. So here we have now that yachal is really a painful hope. It's a hope when it hurts to hope. It's a painful waiting with expectation. It's a hope that is associated with pain. Now, what do we do when we cannot break through to God in our quiet time and it's hard? We yachal. We hope with expectation. We say God will speak. And that's the meaning in verse 12 of he stayed yet. That's the yachal stayed yet of verse 12. And it tells us how Noah was always renewing his hope, even when it was painful to do it. He was renewing his expectation in his waiting, even though it was painful for him to do it. So that's the word that stayed yet in verse 12. Gives us an insight of what Noah was doing. It was a very painful time for him. And finally, we come in verse 15. Verse 15, And God spake unto Noah, saying, and so forth. That was the payoff that Noah was waiting for after the stayed yet, the hula, verse 10 where it was like writhing in pain, and the endurance, and the yachala, verse 12, where it's just this painful expectation of hope. And finally, Noah hears God speak to him. That's our application for our quiet time. It's the breakthrough. It's the breakthrough so that we don't sink down to this repetitious prayers, mindless reading, but we stay yet with the hula of endurance and we don't give up, and we stay yet with the yachal, even though it's painful, of hope and expectation that God will speak. And this is what we see Noah doing. Now, when we look at verse 4, Genesis 8, 4, it says, The ark rested on the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, upon the mountains of Ararat. And then in Genesis eight fourteen, it says, In the second month, on the seventh and twentieth day of the month, was the earth dried. So you do the math, and you can see that the ark was on Mount Ararat, And it stayed there for 177 days. I mean, imagine that. That's a long time. I mean, the ark finally has landed. It's on Mount Ararat. And so what do they do? You know, what do you normally do when something lands? You get out, right? But he stays for 177. The obvious question is, once the ark was settled on Mount Ararat, why in the world did Noah stay on that ark for an additional 177 days? I know he was waiting for God to say that. But surely... If the water was subsiding enough that Mount Ararat was out of the water, why have to wait another 177 days before you open the door? Well, again, now looking at the overview of the passage, I'm going to read some parts here, and you tell me like we did before what's emphasized. Verse 1, the water's assuaged. Verse 2, the fountains were stopped, the rain was restrained. Verse 3, the water's returned from off the face of the earth. The waters were abated. Verse 5, the waters decreased continually. Verse 7, the waters were dried from off the face of the earth. Verse 8, the waters were abated from off the face of the earth. Verse 9, the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Verse 11, Noah knew that the waters had abated from off the face of the earth. Verse 13, the waters were dried up from off the face of the earth. The face of the ground was dried. Verse 14, the earth dried. So from those parts I just read, what was the issue for Noah? Yeah, water or a dry earth. 
We need a dry earth, not a soggy earth, not a muddy earth, but a nice dry earth. Now, why was a dry earth so important for Noah? Because Noah had a job. And in Genesis 6, his job was to keep his cargo alive. And that was emphasized to him twice in verse 19 and 20 of Genesis 6. And it also, you remember in verse 21, he was given the job of bringing in enough food for them and for the animals as well. So Noah understood that his job was to keep those animals alive. God told him twice, you are to keep the animals alive. So Noah has this in his mind. I am to keep the animals alive. I am to keep the animals alive. And God said it wasn't enough for him to just gather food for himself. He had to gather food for the animals. They would stay alive. So Noah, knowing that his job is to keep these animals alive, he didn't want to risk their safety because what has he got? He's got a cargo of grazers, and grazers don't graze in mud. (laughs) Grazers don't graze on soggy land. Grazers need dry land, and you need a little bit of time for those new sprouts to come up so that the grazers can graze on it, see? Now, how much land was enough? How much dry land was enough? If it was enough for just Noah and his family, it wasn't enough if he was going to do his job. Because those animals needed more dry land than just Noah and his family. Now, most probably those animals were in some sort of state of hibernation, and Noah could have gone and hastily woke them up, and herded them all out. And if they didn't have enough grazing land to graze on, they'd die. They'd be extinct. So by taking those extra 177 days, after he's already landed on the top of Mount Ararat, Noah is not thinking about the safety of himself and of his family. He's thinking about the safety of those animals. And therefore, for those animals' sake, Noah goes through the hul of the endurance of it all and the yachal, of the painful hope and expectation of it all. Now, what does that show us? It shows us that like Noah, who could have left the ark and saved his own skin, had enough dry land, supposedly. As for our souls, we can take this attitude, too, and say, you know what? We're saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. Personally, I'm out of harm's way. No matter what happens, we're under the umbrella of the protection of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Just like Noah, who could have left the ark early, and for just his family, he stayed there those painful days to keep the animals alive. That's an example for us. Because Noah deciding to personally sacrifice by not getting off that ark, that's an example for us of how our attitude and how we should view our lost friends and relatives. They take the Lord's name in vain. They're so ungodly, and we think to ourselves, why don't I just isolate myself from them? Why do I just associate with just believers? It's so painful to be with the lost. I know I'm saved, and after all, isn't that all that matters? And God says, no, and God says, look at Noah. Noah painfully endured so that those animals could stay alive. And Noah kept the hope, and he kept the vision of those animals getting off and having enough so that those animals could live. And if we don't hul, endure, stay yet, and we don't yachal, stay yet, with a hope and a vision of our lost friends and relatives being saved, how are they going to be saved? If we don't stay yet, how will they be saved? It was writhingly painful for Noah to endure 
those extra days. It was a painful hope. It was a painful vision of expectation with the Yahal that he had to keep in front of him. But he did. And that's an example for us that we also should be like Noah and be willing to endure as well so that the lost can be saved. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Noah. Thank you for being the God of Noah. Thank you for remembering him. Thank you, Lord, for strengthening him. Thank you for recording in your word the example with Noah so that we would also cast not away our confidence. Lord, that we would also endure so that the lost can be saved. Thank you for speaking this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. We get such great teaching here on Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And if you would like to support this Bible teaching radio program staying on the air, you can donate by calling us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. You can also donate online at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Remember, 100% of your donation goes towards... Jewish evangelism and keeping this Bible teaching radio program on the air. None of it's kept for administration costs or fees or anything like that. It's 100% tax deductible. So please consider donating to Friendship with God and continuing this wonderful Bible teaching radio program on this station in your city. We need your help. Call us 800-247-3051. And with any donation of $20 or more, we are offering Tom Cantor's teaching on the personal relevance of the Passover from Isaiah 53 and Exodus 12. So if you'd like to get teaching on the Passover from Tom Cantor, a donation of $20 or more, we'll send that to you. Or you can just donate and help support this Bible teaching radio program. Again, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Or go to friendshipwithgod.org.